Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Our Father, we're looking at one of the most frightening passages in the Scriptures. And so comfort us. Remind us, O Lord, that you paid the price. At the same time, O Lord, may we have a a holy awareness of your love for us and the price you paid. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So our text this morning is from the 25th chapter of of Matthew. And as you probably know, I'm very involved with St. Matthew's house. And this is the very passage that is the founding passage to that ministry. And that is taking care of the least of our brothers and sisters. But it's it's a tough passage. We, We like to think of sweet Jesus, meek and mild. We don't like to think of Jesus as as tough. And yet, he's both. Somehow he is, he is so gentle and caring and, and compassionate. And at the same time, he's very capable of, capable of issuing some very stern warnings. And, you know, in as much as God has drained out of so much of social discourse and, and our, our, our cultural world, got a growth of secularism in our time, a decrease in the life of the church. All the statistics are showing this. We, we have lost a sense of an accountability to God. I mean, we, we've just, we've lost so much of a sense of that, that our lives are answerable to God. And just a quick side story that this makes me think of. I was, I was in the, the um, care room with, up at the chateau with Peter Gil, oh, pardon me, with Peter Thomas. And a man named Bob Mixa came in and these two World War II veterans were talking with one another and Bob commented about the movie um, Fury, which is about tank commander. And Bob was telling him about this movie and he said, yeah, Peter said, yeah, I need to see it. And he said, I'll bring in the the DVD. But then Bob commented, he said, but you know, we didn't talk that way. Speaking of the kind of language that is used in modern movies. Oddly enough, my dad had said the same thing to me about three years earlier. And, And when you think about it, these were kids 18, 19, 20-year-old kids who grew up during the Depression and their mothers told them not to use certain kind of language and they didn't know if they would live the next day. They had holy fear. But it was a holy fear that drove them and impelled them to do what they did as, as great men and women in that generation. And And that has, in many ways, been lost to us. So 
I called the sermon today, Judgment and Mercy. I was thinking of calling it Heaven and Hell, but I didn't want to go that far with it. But I do think that it is important for us to embrace the fact that we, with our lives, are accountable. Not just to one another, but to the God who made us. And inasmuch as that seems to be missing in our time, I consider that to be one of the fundamentals of what we have in our life together as a church, and it's, it's part of the floor that we have to touch every now and then. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison, you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I'll tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. God add his understanding to this, to this hearing of his word. So just recently I've received, speaking of seminary, I've received magazines from both Fuller Seminary where I received my doctorate and Princeton Seminary where I received my master's. And in both cases, both magazines were all about social justice. Now, during the times when I was in seminary, I was studying under, as I've shared before, some of the great doctors of the church. One of my professors was almost 80 years old. And I was there petrified because I was under some of the brightest Christian teachers in the world. And I was coming into a a legacy of great preaching that came out of Princeton Theological Seminary. And the emphasis was on the work of the gospel, 
proclaiming the word of God, teaching the word, and supporting those entities such as St. Matthew's House that are involved in literally social justice work by taking care of the, the homeless and, and the, uh, the addicted. We just had a graduation service this past week of those who had graduated from a year of recovery. Powerful, touching time when I see lives transformed. But I, I saw these, these newsletters from the seminaries and both presidents have been friends of mine along the way. And I just thought, this is, this is not what we're about. If we're gonna be about justice, we also have to be about this kind of justice. The kind of justice that holds us accountable. But instead they wanted to go into the justice that is almost hard to define if not undefinable, which is the same kind of so-called social justice that we hear about all the time. It has to do with, frankly, the, the political stuff going on in our country today. And I thought, I want nothing to do with this. This is not what a seminary is for. This is not what the, the church is about. And I just felt like they had, they had left they had left the core calling and had gone off and run after different activities. Now, we're all for justice. We have to understand Old Testament justice is very different from New Testament justice. In the Old Testament, they're longing for justice. They want justice because they want the scales evened because they were always looking at the bad guys out there and wanting them to get whacked. <laughs> Believing that in their getting whacked, they would be vindicated. And then we have New Testament justice that says in so many words, God says, you want me to whack the bad guys? Look out. So it, it, is a, it is a frightening reality. This whole notion of justice. Do we really want it? Do we really want justice? Do we want judgment? You know how tough it is. You know how tough it is when we're being judged? When we have those around us who are constantly after us who are free to pass their judgment on us and to let us know how flawed we are. C.S. Lewis has this to say about that. He said, of all the tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under a robber baron than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His love may at some point be satisfied. But those who torment for us for our own good will torment us without end for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. So we know how it is to come under the thumb of judgment. 
And it just seems like the, the, the emphasis on Old Testament justice is, as Lewis calls it, those who are going to torment others with the approval of their own conscience. And so to talk about justice all the time is always going to be dangerous because at what point do we take on that that identity of self-righteous, the self-righteous, the ones who are in charge of judging other people, the ones who are going to make the call about what is right and wrong, not just in our society, but in persons and individuals. Instead, we we must look at this parable. Parable holds us guilty, not for things that we've done, for things that we haven't done, for things that have been omitted, we didn't even know we didn't do. It's a tough parable. We all know stuff we've done. And sometimes in a, in a marriage, I mean, C.S. Lewis talks about this as well, just how a couple can start needling each other and uh, make life kind of miserable with them going back and forth and pointing out all the wrongs they've done. But I think that's what dogs are for because dogs are always going to be affectionate, always going to be loving us. <laughs> but we know how that is. We, we don't like it. It's bad enough to be judged for the things we do. Here Jesus is saying, things you don't do, you don't do. And things that we didn't even know we didn't do. So if we're gonna talk about justice, we've got to hold up a standard that none of us can achieve. Because looking back over our lives, we know the stuff we've done. Typically, we don't know the stuff we didn't do. And it's that stuff we didn't do that puts us on the side of the goats. If, if, there is no mercy. If it's just us, just our actions and inactions, then the consequence is clear. The sheep get to go to heaven. The goats, they burn in hell. Jonathan Edwards wrote a sermon back in the 18th century called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And he talked about sinners being dangled over the fire like a spider. And it's a hard word. And I'm not so sure, I'm not so sure that we don't need some of that. I don't think maybe quite so dramatic as that, but maybe we need to be reminded that there's a consequence to being made free and to having responsibility. The freedom entails responsibility. If we're not responsible, neither are we, are we free. But God has made us with freedom and therefore made us as responsible agents. That is what the Imago Dei, the image of God is in us. That is it, he's made us and he made us for himself 
He made us in an act of love and his intent is that all may be restored to him. That's the biblical hope that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Christ is Lord. And that's why the most important thing that we do as a church is proclaim that simple reality, that simple truth, the love of God in Christ. Do everything we can to live it out with one another with hope that, like in that song that we started out with, that we'll be sitting at the table with those very people we couldn't stand and understand that that that's what God would have us do. What does that entail for us to, to, to be that kind of people. It, it may mean that we, we often hear about loving ourselves. I mean, the psycho, psychotherapists are always talking about self-love and that sort of thing. But I, I'm not so sure that, that that is a correct understanding, just to throw that term around. Again, C.S. Lewis, there was someone I love even though I don't approve of what he does. There's someone I accept, though some of his thoughts and actions revolt me. There was someone I forgive, though he hurts the people I love the most. That person is me. And that is if we can forgive ourselves, certainly we can forgive others. If God can forgive us, certainly we can forgive one another. But what does this entail? Certainly not pride. You know, pride tells us we have arrived. I'm there. Pride. I'm not talking about the pride on an athletic field of play where kids jump up and down and that sort of thing, because that's quickly passes. That's just a moment of enthusiasm. I'm talking about the mentality that somehow says, I don't need to change. I don't need to grow. I'm I'm there. I am, therefore, because I have accomplished that sense of self, well, I don't need to be vulnerable to anyone else. And if I'm an invulnerable, if I'm an invulnerable person, I am incapable of loving because loving entails vulnerability. And and therefore I live in a, I live in a, a personal bubble all of life. And if we watch anything on in the news and all of that, what we see is is the clash of pride. I have arrived, no, I have arrived, no, I have it right, no, I have it right. And I'm gonna protest that you're wrong and I'm gonna protest that you're wrong. Now take humility. Nothing great in this world has ever been accomplished without humility. Because humility says, I haven't arrived. I'm gonna work hard to see what I can accomplish. 
And the harder I work, the more I know, the more I see the the brilliance of other people around me. And I realize I'm just one of them, but I'm I'm gonna keep trying. I'm going to do everything I can. And and the more I know, the less I know. The more I love, the more I can love. And so out of humility, we look at others and we we extend that that forgiveness. We extend that, that care. And in so doing, we end up not even thinking about stuff we've done. We know we've done the wrong things, but if we're truly humble in our lives and we're, we're really trying to accomplish something good with our lives and make a difference with the lives that God has given to us, then we end up doing those things that we don't even know we did because we're entering into a life of service, a life of simple, simple service that, that elevates and inflates the love that God has first given to us. So I would say this parable is not something to strike fear within us because the reality is the scales have been leveled, but not by us. Scales have been leveled by the grace of God. He has come, as the old illustration goes, we have been declared guilty. And when it comes to bearing the consequences of our guilt, Christ steps in and takes the guilt upon himself. He pays the price for us. And in so doing, we become free. Free to to love and to serve and and daily, Lord, just take that stuff off of me that I did. Take that stuff off of me that I failed to do. And surround me, O Lord, with people who will love me and care for me and and also encourage me when when they see that I'm, I'm faltering. And thereby, somehow in the midst of it, we get gathered up into the sheepfold with the good, by the good shepherd. And there we, we know that we belong. Will you bow with me in prayer? So gracious Father, your grace is not cheap. We are not cheap. We've been bought with a price. So, dear Lord, may we glorify you with all of our lives. And may we, may we know that in so doing, we're neither isolated nor are our lives meaningless. Instead, O oh Lord, gather us up together. And may we labor with one another that there may be in that day when when you return, that there may be no goats left. We ask in the name of your Son, our Savior Christ. Amen. 
If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.